the most I know about ska is what I heard playing the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Listening to Southern Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 168 of Sapnin Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend with two surnames, Morgan Richards! Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and you could say we're going a different shade of blue with this episode. What? Is it sad? Does it get really sad, this episode? Did, Did he cry? Did he cry? Anyway, this week's guest is Knock Loose frontman Brian Garris. Yes, and if Twitter, if music Twitter has taught me anything over the last few years, is if you're really cool, you listen to Knock Loose. So that must mean we're ice cold. Because what's cooler than being cool? Ice cold, that's our outcast. Used to say anyway, but the band what's have some- got to do not <laughs> The band have cemented themselves as one of the breakout artists in this generation's hardcore punk rock and metalcore scenes. Their live shows are known for being wild. They've created a cult following with releases like A Different Shade of Blue back in 2019 and their new EP, A Tear in the Fabric of Life. So when we got the chance to speak with vocalist Brian just before he caught a flight for their current UK headline tour, we thought this was the perfect opportunity to get to know the process behind the band, what makes them tick, and some outrageous stories in between. Yes, it was um, a fantastic chat with Brian. Thank you very much to Brian and Haley for sorting it out because we had to go back and forth a few times. Um, once he couldn't make it, once I couldn't make it, and then we came together. <laughs> oh, that's no wait. That's a, wait, 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 wait. I meant got to. Oh, you can't say nothing oh. anymore, can you? Yes, but yeah. Thank you very much for Brian for giving us his time. Thank you very much to Brian and all of his friends for their wonderful, wonderful music. <laughs> lost the oh, plot today you're right a little bit a little bit but it's true and throughout this episode brian's going to touch on everything from talking about new music and the behind the scenes of the band to paying tribute to one of his musical icons in every time i die with the recent news of their split obviously 
dealing with some aggressive Taylor Swift fans, the time he had to play a gig with a computer game microphone and just his love for the UK in general, where they'll be returning after this tour in July for 2000 Trees Festival. Yes, and what a festival that is going to be. I cannot wait. It has one of my favourite lineups of festivals I've seen this year. Thrice, Idols, Raiders, of course, everybody's favourite that nobody listens to, Raiders. Jimmy Eat World, The Chats, Pup, Dinosaur Pileup, The Get Up Kids, Young Guns, Young Guns. They've technically been back together for two years and have done nothing. <laughs> I got an idea. Gus, come on the podcast, innit? Oh, yeah. One day, one day. But do you know what's um, extra special about 2003, Sean? Is that they... Raiders are going to be there. They, they are. They are going to be there. And Turnstile. And to, yeah, you've said, you've said this, but... The I didn't say Turnstile. No, I didn't. No, 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 no. I didn't say... Carry on. <laughs> But the festival has given us an exclusive discount code for listeners of Sapling Podcast. So if you want 10% off your tickets to go to this mad lineup this summer, all you have to do is head over to the website 2000treesfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets. Use the promo code Sapling for 10% off. That's any ticket, a weekend, day, whatever you want. And you have a giant party. We'll be there, and it'll be a great time. Is that all capitals then? Sapling? It's in capitals, Whoa. lowercase, wherever you want. You can mix it up if you're feeling devilish. It fucking better be, because <laughs> if we find out it's meant to be all capitals and put it, people are put in lowercase, and we don't, we don't get our kickback, right? I'm gonna be tamping. Yeah, but anyway, yes, 2000 trees um, in July is gonna be fan bloody tastic. Again, Laura Jane Grace. Stick to your guns, D's nuts, no devotion, pulled apart by horses, Bukovi. The list goes on. Check out 2000trees.co.uk forward slash tickets and then use the code SAPNIN. Yes, and you get to see Knocked Loose at a festival like that. Oof. And if you've been to see them on this current UK headline tour, let us know at SAPNINPOD on Twitter and Instagram. Send us some photos, send us your mosh pit stories, send us guest suggestions for, for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, yes, we would. And uh, Jim Atkins from Jimmy Eat World, also playing 2000 Trees. Do us a favour. Come on this fucking podcast so I can see Morgan's childlike happiness. Because I haven't seen him for quite some time. (laughs) And just a quick reminder before we get into this conversation, if you would like to support the podcast, please go and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Not only is there loads of extra bonuses on there, that you can get into your ears and enjoy, but you get to be a part of our wonderful community of people that we will never stop talking about because they are one of our favorite things to have ever come out of this podcast. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. Uh, I can't... To this day, I, I'm i lost that anybody would support us. So the fact that um, so many people do is amazing. Um, but yeah, if you've listened to two or more episodes, you are legally bound to um, support us. So check out patreon.com for us. Um, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Yes, this is episode 168 of Sapnin Podcast with Brian Garris of Knocked Loose. Kentucky's finest mind. Sapnin! Sapnin! I don't know what the fuck happened here. <laughs> ah! 
happening? It's happening. It's happening. Yes! This week's guest is Kentucky's finest, knock loose frontman, the fantastic Brian Garris. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Ah, uh, yeah! <laughs> not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Um, Surviving. Still here. Yeah, Surviving still here, but... one way or another, man. But uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. As we record this, you were actually five days away from coming back to the UK and playing a show over here. Um, I'm sure there's a whirlwind of emotions with everything to do with that at the moment. How are you feeling with it? How, yeah, what's uh, what's going on at the moment? I'm very excited. Yeah, um, it's been since winter of 2019, obviously. Um, I'm very excited. I feel like things in 2019, that last tour that we did over there was definitely our best. So to end it on such a high note, it just left me with a lot to think about and a lot to like really miss. So I'm excited to come back over there. I'm really excited about the package that we have and and the shows that we have. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. No, for sure. But I'm I'm sure with everything gone on these last couple of years as well, it's kind of surreal that you you are so close to coming back over here. You know, I'm sure part of your mind is has thought really might have not come overseas for quite a long time. Yeah, definitely didn't know when it was going to happen, if it was going to happen, you know, and everybody was just kind of crossing their fingers, hoping for the best. And it's crazy that it's, like you said, five days away. We did have like an entire portion of the tour in mainland Europe that we that we had to reschedule, um, uh, which were very bummed about obviously i was i was really looking forward to that as well but i'm glad that we at least get to come over there in some capacity just get out of the country for the first time in a long time and it'll be good oh it it is gonna be good i can (laughs) i can guarantee you it's gonna be good yeah like you were saying like 2019 when you were over last it was awesome i think it's gonna just like carry on from there i think this is gonna be an unbelievable show like the whole package it's uh Terror and static dress, right? Yeah. Wow. There's going to be limbs missing, I think, by the end of that. <laughs> it's it's funny because um, we're a band that's never really slowed down at all. Like as soon as we were able to tour, we hit the road and never really stopped until we were forced to. And the whole year, we're all just like going crazy, feeling like we're missing out on something. And I just ha- had to keep reminding myself that everything's on pause, you know, like there's nobody out doing something that we could be doing because we're all just waiting. So in a lot of ways, when we got the opportunity to go back on tour over here, it did kind of feel like things just picked up where they left off. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if that's the case over there as well. But I'm sure it's just kind of being a weird experience looking back on everything because really Towards the end of 2019, early 2020 in, in particular, I feel like Knock Loose were on such... I had so much momentum behind you guys, especially like overseas. And I think you you were definitely hitting territories in, in different ways that you hadn't before. So, like, when everything came to a halt, as you said, you know, you just looked at everything was taking a break and you've made new music in that time. But it was just kind of weird to have wrap your head around for quite a while going from oh all these exciting things to ban stop and nothing can happen 
Yeah, definitely. I, I personally, like myself, the way that I handled it was very, I, I was in disbelief for a good portion of it. You know, I, so the day that like everything shut down, we were actually supposed to fly to Europe and like had our bags packed. My suitcase was at the door. I was like, had to be at the airport in an hour. Things were starting to happen and then you, but I just kept saying, there's no way that the tour is going to get canceled. There's just too much on the line. Like there's no way. And then sure enough, within an hour of having to be at the airport, got the text that it was canceled. And weirdly enough, terror was playing in Indianapolis, which is only like two hours from Kentucky. So as soon as the tour got canceled, I was like, let's go to that terror show. So like me, my girlfriend and my brothers drove to Indianapolis. And in that two hours from Louisville to Indianapolis, we got the text that like all international travel was um, shut down. And I was like, Oh wow. I would have been on a plane. Like we would have landed, we would have landed in Germany and just had to get right back on a plane and fly back. I mean, in a sense, we're very lucky that it stopped us. We were stopped before we left. Cause I know there were bands like, Turnstile, I think, was like a week into a European tour and they were already over there. So they had to scramble and figure out how to get to the airport and get back. So like definitely lucky, but I was just in such disbelief, like I didn't expect it to happen. And then as like businesses and everything else started to shut down, I just kept telling myself like that won't happen, that won't happen. And then it just did. And then it just kept going and it lasted a lot longer than I thought it would. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the same with with everybody else. But um, really, yeah, getting more into a tear in the fabric of life, you used that time to really write something completely different, kind of conceptually for Knock Loose. And you said really that you challenged yourself with lyrics and just trying to have an overall story with these songs. How was that process for you? Did you just see it as the perfect opportunity to try something? like this or, or was that something you'd always wanted to try it and complete eventually? I will say that it's something that I've always admired in other bands. Like first one, obviously that pops into my head is the zombie EP by the Divorce product. And I've always liked stuff like that, but I never thought to try it. I never thought that that would really be my, my writing style. Cause it's always just, I've always just tried to make it really personal and that's just kind of how it naturally happens. But the downtime definitely allowed us to just all of us really to focus on something that was a little bit, I don't want to say less serious because it, we did take it very seriously, but it's just not as traditional as like your regular album rollout, even the way that we promoted it. Like we just wanted to kind of like surprise everybody with it. So there was a lot less pressure there. And I think the downtime really allowed us to do that. And it was actually an idea that we had before the downtime. And we all were basically on the same page that we would just wouldn't have the time to focus on it. Like sometimes we get ideas and it's like fun to spitball and go back and forth, but then life happens and the schedule happens. And we, we prefer staying busy on the road and, things get tossed aside and then all of a sudden it's time to write a new record. So the downtime allowed us to kind of be like, 
hey, remember that thing that we talked about? What if we did that? And um, we were all like stuck at home, like bored. We were barely seeing each other because we just, some of us still lived with families and stuff. We just wanted to be safe. So we also took it as an opportunity to just get away. We went and wrote it in a cabin in the middle of the Smoky Mountains. And we just, we've always liked the idea of like being isolated while we write. So we just took it to an extreme. Selfishly, it definitely was an excuse for all of us to just like get together and do something because we were, we had done nothing. So it was like a, a, a slumber party for a couple weeks <laughs> in, in a giant cabin and there was like a hot tub and it was really nice. But while we were there, we did just solely work on this new EP. Was there any other stories that came out of the cabin or was it all uh, hush hush? <laughs> what happens in the cabin stays in the cabin. Um, nothing too crazy. We, we, we watched a lot of scary movies to try to put us in the, in the mood, you know, and um, something that is something that I, a story that I like telling that might not be as interesting, but something that I just thought was crazy. But like, Normally when you like rent a cabin or even like an Airbnb, they'll never give you the the address until you've already rented it because they don't want to have their address on public websites for anybody to look up. I was looking for all these cabins and I was sending them to the band and I'd be like, what about this one? And everybody, you know, has their own like checklist of what it needs to have has to have good Wi-Fi, has to be close to food, whatever, whatever. But at the same time, we wanted it to be secluded. So we're trying to find that middle ground and I'm sending options. They're sending notes. And then finally I find one that ended up being the one and I sent it to the band and I was like, what do you think? And they were like, I love it. It's awesome. So I sent it to the record label and I was like, here's the one. Um, and they were like, cool. We go ahead and rent it and they send us the address and it was on Oldham street which like, if you know anything about Knock Loose, we're from Louisville, but we're all from Oldham County and we put it on all of our merch and we say it every mm. single show. And like, so that like really weird coincidence on top of it being like a spooky, yeah. we're like Fuck. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Something that you'll see a lot in the, in the South here is uh, when you're driving through the woods, you'll see these really, really small churches. And it's always like creeped me out. And it's funny, I said that to somebody and they said the, the big giant churches should be the ones that creep me out. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's true. You'll be like miles and miles into the woods and you'll just see this shack that can hold maybe 30 people and it's just a church. And I've always just thought like Old Testament church, you know what I mean? Like, So there was a church like that on the street where the cabin was and it was called like Oldham Creek Church. So it was just like all these weird coincidences. It was like we were supposed to be there or something. Yeah. That, yeah. That's too weird. Yeah. It's, it's really it's, weird. It's strange how things like that always work out. But I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to work out if the label somehow sent it across going, look, you've got to put an Oldham up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to make this feel like it's a link firm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's fucking, that's super creepy though. That's Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but, but lyrically, did you find it more of a challenge writing towards a, a concept or did you just try not to think about it too much? Uh, I did find it more challenging, yeah. I For the EP and for A Different Shade of Blue, I probably not for the best, but turned into 
the kind of writer that writes in the studio, which like if you if you talk to me three years ago or around lap tracks, I would tell you that I could never do that. I remember like Brendan from Counterparts and and he does it for every record. Like while the band's recording, he's in another room writing lyrics. And I always used to tell him like, dude, there's no way I would be so stressed out because of the deadline and whatever, whatever. And then with a different shade of blue, it kind of just happened. I, w- I was experiencing like some writer's block and it ended up working really well for me. So with the EP, when I got to the studio, I, I kind of did the same thing. I had like some ideas and I knew what order that the record was going in. And I knew we like mapped out what each song was going to be like. Song one is the crash. Song two is like the initial panic, whatever, whatever. We knew it all. So, but songs change through pre-pro and stuff. So we knew that once we got to Will Putney, the guy that produced it, that he would have ideas and he might change things. So I didn't want to have lyrics too concrete. So I waited. And not only did I find writing in that style challenging, but I also had, I then had the deadline of like, okay, we're only at the studio. I think we were there for like six weeks. So it's like, okay, now I have six weeks to write this whole thing in a completely different style than I'm used to. But um, I was fortunate enough to have the space to really focus on that. And I'm really, really happy with how it came out. And I guess now I'm just like, I guess now that's just kind of how I write. Like I've just, when, when you're under that kind of deadline, you treat it very much like, like homework. Like every day I would be like, I would work with the band during the day while they were recording. And then I would make dinner. And then at night after dinner, while everybody else just did whatever they wanted to, I would like go away to another room and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to work on lyrics. And I would sit down at my computer. I would sit down with the idea, like, I'm not going to get up until I have a draft of something. So then a lot of the times I'm just like sitting there staring at the wall, but I'm like, I can't get up until I have something. And it's like, when you think that there's just nothing that's going to come to you, eventually something just would. And I would work on it and I would get something I was happy with. And then I would sit on it for a couple of days. I would come back to it. I would bring it to Will and see what he thinks. I would bring it to the band, see what they think. But I really, really am glad that I pushed myself to try those new things because I'm really, really happy with how it turned out. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear how different vocalists work because, you know, speaking to people on the podcast in the past, you know, you hear everything from people having notes and notes of stuff on, like, their phones to people literally just making up on the spot. So, yeah, it's, it's weird how different circumstances can really make you feel more comfortable, like, just trying things out. Yeah, it, I, I do have like notes. I'll have notes of um, just like words that I see that are cool. I do it a lot with like uh, exit signs on a highway. Sometimes I'll just see an exit sign that sounds cool. And I'm like, I'm going to write that down and might not ever use it, might not do anything, but maybe, it, but for some reason I thought it was cool enough to write it down on a different shade of blue. There's a song called road 23. That's literally just an exit sign. That's just an exit sign that I saw while I was writing that song, while I was driving the van one night on tour. So I'll have stuff like that. I'll have one-liners a lot. I had a note specifically for um, A Tear in the Fabric of Life. I had a note that was just one-liners, but I had written it 
in like a run on sentence because <laughs> I would just think of it and I would pull it out and I would just type it out in this note. So this note just looks like a bunch of words. There's no <laughs> punctuation or dividing, nothing to divide all of them. And for a tear in the fabric of life, I would go through and just like read them and see if there was anything there. And that's actually, so that's actually where I got a tear in the fabric of life. Like I had written that down and then found a way to use it for the EP and it ended up becoming the name and everything. So, well, if you're a fa- if you're a fan of road signs, I'll, um, when you, when you're driving into Wales for the Cardiff date, Keep oh, an eye road. out. Uh, keep an eye out on road songs because obviously there's the Welsh translation for everything as well. So uh, it might might make you very confused, or you might get a knocked loose Welsh inspired. <laughs> no, I gu- I guarantee you, knocked loose do not leave Wales with a road sign based song because it's all fucking gobbledygook. There's no vowels in anything. It just looks mental all the time. But yeah, um, yeah, you mentioned Will Putney then. Um, yeah, how was it with Will? How much difference did he make between the pre-production and him then recording the final thing? Um, I, I love Will. We've, we've recorded with him three times now. The way that I kind of say working with him is like the first time that we worked with him on our album Laugh Tracks, it was very much like we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how the process worked, what it was like to be with a producer. So it was like learning about Will. And then for a different shade of blue, it was like, okay, now we know what to expect. Let's go back and get everything we can out of Will. And then for this new EP, it was like, now we're comfortable. Let's go back and take advantage of what we know he's good at. There were things while recording this that it was like, overall, even musically, I feel like this EP is like an exaggeration of certain things of Knocked Loose. Like, we were like, if it's going to be fast, let's make it faster. If it's going to be slow, let's make it slower. So we very much did that when it came to recording guitar as well. And well, I mean, recording in general, guitar, vocals, everything. So everything that I've always done vocally on recording with Will is like, let's try to make it sound raw. Let's try to get the same kind of excitement that you would experience live. There's not a lot of layers because I want it to sound realistic not bare bones, but like not a lot of effects. I've always just wanted you to be able to listen to it and kind of get an idea for what it would be like live. But this time, especially vocally, when we came back for the EP, it was like, this is our chance to experiment. So it was like, like on the song forced to stay at the end of the song. When I say the rain washes you away, I layered that probably 10 times and we were trying crazy stuff. Like he was like, go as low as you can go. And I can't go low at all. So like when I try, my voice just kind of like cracks and sounds insane. But he was like, we're going to use it. And then he was like, go as high as you can go. And I was screaming so high that that I couldn't really pronunciate. So it just sounded like someone that needed help. (laughs) And he was like, we're going to use it. And then stuff like that. It was a lot of fun this time to go through and like do those things. Oh, let's mess with effects on my voice. Let's layer my voice. Let's try different voices. Let's, um, same with like guitar and bass. Like there's parts where it's like, I I have a lot of videos and I keep, I want to post them one day, but I got to get them all in order. But while we were recording, I would take videos of them doing it because there was like sounds that they were getting 
there's like a sound in the first song that they used as a layer that like doesn't even sound like a guitar. It's going through like so many different pedals and it just sounds like it's insane. I don't even really know how to describe it, but I have a video of Isaac playing it, but the sounds that are coming out are just like, it's hilarious because it doesn't sound like a guitar. I I need to post those videos one day, but it, it was a lot of fun working with him. The problem is with videos <laughs> like that, people people will just take them and then put any sounds over the top of them. So you're like, I'm yeah. doing that. And then someone yeah. just put like, meow, 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 <laughs> you bastard. But yeah, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah, that's awesome to yeah. hear. But like kind of diving into your back catalogue, really, I did want to mention a different shade of blue because obviously this was your second record. And at the time of release, it just seemed that that album cover was everywhere. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, it definitely changed the game for a lot of your kind of fans internationally and getting you over to different markets and really stepping you up a level. Like, did it just feel like it is something completely different that had connected around that time? Um, That is the hardest that I've ever worked on anything. When it comes to like the way that we brought out we call it like the a different shade of blue campaign because the way that we promoted that record, I just think that we were very, very like tuned into what we wanted. And it was like with laugh tracks, we were so new and the record was very fast. Like it just like, it all happened so fast that there were things that we wished that we could have done on it. So with this one, it was like, we're putting our foot down. We're not putting this out until all boxes are checked. And it allowed us to just really like focus on how we wanted this record to be presented to the world. And I think with that came with a lot of hard work on all of our parts, but when it came out, it was like so rewarding and, and it felt like such a a huge payoff for people to finally get to hear it and see what we had been working on. And I think that, people really noticed that. And I think that they, uh, one thing that I've always thought of with knock loose and something that I've tried to get across is that it's, um, it's like approachable. There's things that you see in a lot of like metal bands or hardcore bands where like, there might be like a, a too cool for you attitude. And it's like bands that you love and bands that like musically you really look up to, but, but maybe, you're a little bit intimidated by them personally or because of how they carry their band or just how they carry themselves. And I don't, I have a really bad case of like resting bitch face. So I might not look like the most approachable person, but when it comes to like how we present the band, we've always wanted it to kind of feel at like the same level as the people that are uh, consuming it. I don't want to feel like I'm above anybody. And I think that, I think that in a lot of ways that makes people kind of resonate with the band because you kind of like, not only are you seeing like the work that we're putting into promoting records, but you're kind of right there with us throughout the entire process. That's something that I've always wanted. You look, you look at bands like every time I die and it's kind of, it's kind of always been like that for them. Like they're this massive band that crushes everything that they touch, but it's always been very, personal feeling and their own and like you can just walk up to them and be like what's up 
and you're like a part of the journey with them. That's why their their fans are such diehard fans. And that's something that I really look up to. I, I never want to be, I never want to like promote a record and be like, we're the best thing ever. Like if you're not with us, then fuck you. Mm. Because that's not how we are. Like I want it to be like, I, I want to be like, Hey, I remember seeing you at a show when before laugh tracks came out. Like sometimes I see people like that and I just have to, say what's up to them and i'm i'm getting better at it i'm not really I could, i'm shy and awkward so like over the years i'm trying to get better about it but just being like hey i've been seeing you come to knock loose shows for a really long time thanks like that's awesome i definitely noticed those things as you touched on every time i die there how do you feel about what's gone on and what's happened and i'm gutted i'm fucking devastated yeah, it it sucks, man. Uh, uh, that's obviously like I I have like a, that is that band changed my life for real, and and on probably on several different occasions. I think that the first time I heard that band, it probably changed my life. It was like the first time that I had heard like heavy music with its own personality. You know what I mean? And that and that changed things for me. And it, it was a constant inspiration for me even to this day and and then meeting them like that probably changed my life too i mean they really took a chance on knock loose in, in a year where we were the year that we got signed to pure noise we opened every single tour that year we opened for counterparts and then we opened for casey strain and we opened for stick to your guns and we opened for counterparts again and we opened for stick to your guns again and then and then every time i die offered us direct support and like they just took a chance on us when we were nothing and that like really changed things for us and i owe a lot to them and i'm really glad that i get to call them friends and i'm obviously sad to see them go but i'm very very grateful for the time that i had with them yeah yeah because i feel that whole kind of seeing of being mourning the well, you know, everything that's been going on with them but as you said i think every time i die i've been such inspiration to knock loose you've told of them you've become very good friends with them and i'm sure you've kind of learned a lot of industry secrets and just ways to present a band being so close to them as well yeah I, they're just like i think that they're a really good blueprint for how bands should be i mean they're legends and they're always going to have that status but then we would we did a tour with them once and they were like, the, it was a Canadian tour and it was like East to West coast Canadian. And they were like, let's play the cities that no one plays. Let's play like the sea markets of Canada, maybe even worse. I mean, there were, we played a show and, and where I'm from in Kentucky, every time when, when I saw them, when I was growing up, every show was amazing. Like I had never seen them play a bad show in Kentucky. They were like gods. And then we toured Canada with them and we played places like Jean Queer and Moncton and Fredericton and like all these places that just nobody plays. We played Jean Queer with them and they played to literally 15 people. We sold wow. one CD and then at the end of the day, the person came back and actually returned to the CD and wanted their money back. <laughs> so we sold zero dollars in merch that day. <laughs> Yeah. And you got yeah, you got teased with fifteen dollars. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and, and no. shows 
there were shows like that on the tour. Like I remember when we played, it was either Fredericton or Moncton, but there were, there was a wall of uh, flyers and it was just cover bands. And I was like, wow, nobody comes here. Like they just have local cover bands because nobody comes here. And when you're a band, like every time I die, you don't have to do that. You know what I mean? But they still did. And they still got in the band and they grinded it out. And they were like, and, and that stuff means stuff to those 15 people in Jean Queer. Like they're going to talk about it forever. You know what I mean? Being from a place like Kentucky, that even though they were such gods in Kentucky, Kentucky's still a smaller state, smaller scene. It gets skipped over a lot. There's a lot of stuff that we don't get. So when we do get stuff like that, we cherish it and we hold on to it. And that's maybe why they were such a big deal in Kentucky, but, but they didn't have to do that. And, that, and that's what I mean by being such a important blueprint for younger bands. Like bands pop up nowadays and they're like, we're going to play. This is hardcore sound of fury outbreak. And that's it. That's not how it works. Like you got to play, you have to play bad shows. I've been like, a <laughs> many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose. No matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I've had this conversation has come up in other interviews before and I've seen, I've been tagged in clips of me saying that you have to play bad shows and it's just going to become like a, a thing where I'm like an advocate for bands playing <laughs> terrible shows and I'm not, but it's like a, it's a learning experience and it also like it, it helps you appreciate the good ones. And it also, there's like a level of importance that you're playing in a person's life when you go out of your way to play the places that nobody goes to and every time i die was very much an influence and knocked loose when it came to doing things like that well yeah keep it on that kind of subject and what um yeah what's been knocked loose's worst show uh back in my day um back in my day oh back in my day when everything was black and white i played to a dog literally the sound guy was there with his dog and then the sound guy left we played to a dog. <laughs> Knock loose ever played to any animals or uh, <laughs> hardly anybody? So many stories of, 
of just this. And I feel like 2017 was a point where we really kind of were like, boom, here we are. But we've been touring since 2014. So like those three years was just bad shows full time. And I mean like full time as in like the first 2013, but the, so four years, the first time we got our own van, we toured 10 months that year. Like we just did as much as we possibly, as much as we possibly could. And we always have done that and liked doing that. And at the beginning, it wasn't the idea of we're touring to get bigger. It was, we're touring because we like to tour. We like to be on the road. And we played a show one time, one that always comes to mind. So I might have to give you like two because I've probably told this one before and I want you guys to get like a new one, but this this one's too good not to tell, but we played a show in um, Armorillo, Texas. And there was literally 12 people there. Um, So during the first band, I think someone just like grabbed a guitar um, like somebody else on the tour package grabbed a guitar and acted like they were playing with the band that was playing, but they didn't actually play. And that kind of snowballed to where by the time that we played, every single member of our band played in chairs behind the cabs. And then the, <laughs> the, the whole tour package was just holding the unplugged instruments, acting like they were playing along. Wow. Oh, awesome. And, and our merch, our merch guy at the time, uh, me and him looked just alike. Like we were both very skinny. We both had very long hair and we both, so we dressed the exact same head to toe, like same shoes, same hat. And we did the entire set dual vocals. There was probably like nine people in the band and everybody holding instruments that aren't plugged in and then two vocalists. And we did the whole set. And I remember being like, Hey, if one of you actually wanted to see us, I'm really sorry. Cause this is like not, <laughs> and, and uh, I actually had, I told this story in an interview once and I actually had a person from that show uh, come up to me at a recent show and they were like, yo, I was there. And I was like, wow, like you were one of 12. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> Yeah. Cause someone, somebody, yeah. One of those 12 people is going, well, I've seen knock loose since. And there's n- they don't have twins front in the band anymore. Yeah. Like what happened to the one twin must have got rid of the other twin. Yeah. <laughs> is- exactly. And it, I remember like um I don't know if you guys are familiar with our guitar player Isaac's other band Inclination. He 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 plays in a straight edge band called Inclination and the singer of that band used to be in a hardcore band in Kentucky called Another Mistake and they were just like a really really good local hardcore band that we had that did some touring, but never got as big as they probably should have gotten. But we were on tour with them. And I remember their singer, just like muscular, mosher, straight edge, never read a book, like acted like he played bass for dark blues. And the image of that is like burned into my brain because he had just never, it looked like he had never even held a guitar in his life. <laughs> wow. And okay. he's holding the bass. And while I'm trying to sing, I'm like looking over at him, like trying to headbang. And it, 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 I was just like laughing. I couldn't help but laugh <laughs> while I was trying to sing. 
I was like, yeah, this is a nightmare. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's, I know there's more, but I'm trying to think if there's any more like worth telling. I know there is. I've got to think of it. Um, yeah, in a, in a similar vein, I had um, the support act all run on stage with Guitar Hero controllers doing a gig and pretend, pretended they were playing with Guitar Hero controllers. Um, oh, I actually have something to go off of that. We played a house show in North Carolina once. We had a show in North Carolina. Something that happened a lot when we started touring is um, one specific time. It was in Texas again, but we pulled up to the, the venue a kid was out front, not even the promoter of the show. And he was out front of the venue and he went, Hey, the show's canceled. And I was like, why? And he was like, the promoter said that nobody was going to come. So he canceled it. And we were just like, oh, okay. So we just like got back in the van and kept going. And like at the, at the beginning, like sometimes that stuff, like shows would cancel all the time. Like people would agree to a show and we would be playing for like gas money. And then if they felt like they weren't going to make gas money, they would just cancel it. So we, we had a show in North Carolina get canceled. And then we had a person message us on like Facebook and we were like, Hey, um, sorry that your show got canceled, but you can play at my friend's house. So we were like, okay, cool. So sent us the address. We went to the house. There's like maybe six people there. It's just like a regular hangout and we're just there. We show up and they're like, I'm like, do you have a PA? And they're like, no. I'm like, do you have a... <laughs> yeah. Like, they're like, a personal a- assistant. No, yeah. just me. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, do you have a microphone? They were like, no. So... <laughs> I've got this cone. I've got this traffic cone you can shout down. So the band played and I played holding a, a rock band microphone. <laughs> no yes! way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and singing, screaming. So like, maybe they'll be able to hear me over the music, but I just like did it. And I'm not kidding. Like maybe two of the six people that were there watched the other, the others were in the other room doing blow during our set. Wow. <laughs> and like they like, didn't even care that we were there. <laughs> like it was just like one person that wanted us to come through. We sold nothing. They, they didn't have any money or like any gas money or whatever. So we were just playing to play, but yeah. And then we just kind of got in and we were like, all right, thanks. Yeah. I'm having oh. flashbacks of all of this. Oh, oh wow. There's nothing God. like early band days from the sounds of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fine. Wow. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember the first big knock loose show then? Or do you, do you remember when you were like, oh, this is working? To me, like, there were shows early on that was like, I mean, if we played a show to 20 people and two of them knew us, we were like, oh my God, we're huge. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm finally above the law. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of just like, it was like an upward, like a slow upward slope. But we were touring so much that like we would play, I guess I would say the first place that I noticed was getting better for us was um, like Chicago and surrounding areas. That's like a pretty close, that's like the closest major city to Kentucky. So we would play there a lot. And I remember one time we played there and we were like, Hey, if you like what you hear, we'll be back in 10 days on another tour. The flyers over there on the wall already, like 
we were touring and then when that tour would end we would hop on another tour and we would come back through basically the same cities but but with a different kind of package because we did the whole like mixed bill thing since the very beginning like we would do a metal thing and then a hardcore thing and a pop punk like just whatever we could do so chicago got good early on and that and that's still like that's probably my favorite place to play ever and uh, other than the uk which is happening next week <laughs> Wink! and then um the north the northeast is always crazy like the northeast is like some of the most like the hardest moshers that we've ever played to um and early on like when it was kind of when it was smaller we would just be playing like sometimes houses and it's just people beating the shit out of each other and uh some we played some scary shows up there biggest fight i've ever seen in my life was up there got the show shut down we didn't even get to play i I still have friends from that show too like that'll still come to us and be like yo we're sorry about (laughs) what happened seven years ago you know what i mean yeah Uh, it's one of those it's one of those. But but like on the flip side to that, obviously there's been so many like utterly surreal moments for you while doing this. I know you've been able to like meet a lot of your musical heroes. Um, you've even like sung with Gojira. So like what would you say is some of the just maddest stuff that you've never th- thought would be a possibility but you've already a- achieved really? That's a really good question. I, I feel like there's there's a lot something that immediately comes to mind is probably warp tour. Um, that was like a huge, something that was sick. <clears throat> and it is, we did warp tour in 2017 and we were still very new. And I remember we didn't have a manager at the time. We were still doing everything ourselves. And I remember we got the email. I, I might not be able to even talk about this, but warp tour is done. So who cares? But I got the email (laughs) and the offer wasn't awesome at all. We had all these friends at that point that had already done it. They were like, don't do it unless it's like in this ballpark. Uh, You'll, you'll just lose money. It's a very hard tour, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's just like physical labor every day. Like you're in the sun, whatever, whatever. So the offer like wasn't in the ballpark. And I remember us talking about it and being like everybody said not to but like we probably should anyways because it's fucking warped tour um we were on the the side stage like the smallest stage it's called full sail stage and then the monster stage was like every friend that we had made like counterparts stick to your guns casey strain all those bands were playing the monster stages so I was like, man, so we, we like emailed them back and we were like, Hey, uh, like we don't have a lot of room to negotiate money, but can we at least be on the monster stage with all of our friends? And the email back said, we'll just find someone else. Thanks. Uh, oh, fuck. And we were like, yo, 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 like, um, so we just did it and it w- it ended up being like such a huge moment for the band. I'm glad that we did it. And I'm glad that we didn't almost like ruin it for ourselves, trying to like bite off a little bit more than we can chew. 
and I hope, and I hope that out of this entire podcast, that like moment doesn't get like clipped or something because the tour was amazing. And, um, I'm really glad that we did it. We just like, I think we let a lot of people get in our heads on like what, what we should have, what the offer should have been. Yeah. Cause yeah, my old band did walk to a, Oh Jesus Christ. 500 years ago now. And, um, yeah, I remember us because yeah, it was a low ball offer for us. Obviously, we hadn't done anything in the states, but it was a low ball offer for us. We were on the Kevin Says stage. It was the experience. We had to go for the experience, and we went. And we had so many like Americans and stuff telling us it's the hardest tour you're ever going to do and stuff. It was awesome, but uh, yeah, some of the shows were so fucking hit and miss. <laughs> like one day we were on just before Imua, so uh, and I was in. San Antonio, yeah, I remember, because Shawn Michaels is from here. And I remember thinking, um, oh, we're actually quite big in San Antonio. There's 500 kids here to see us. And then they just stood there dead still, like going, what the fuck is this? Up until Emua came on, and they were like, yes, Emua! And I was like, oh, nobody gives a fuck. And then, um, yeah, another date on the Warp Tour, we um, turned up, and our brand new manager, who had just signed us, had flown out from London to come and watch us. He was the only person who watched us. But it was worth doing, like, other than that date, like, the rest of it was awesome, and it was so good to meet people, and you meet, you know, fans, obviously, but connections with other bands was um, was essential as well, I think. So, yeah, I had a blast. I really liked it. Um, I it, it obviously was a lot of work, but I feel like we all were, were kind of just, like, down to grind, and, like, make it happen so i i loved it i would do it again in a heartbeat and and the the whole point of me telling the the long version of that story is that we did it in 2017 and we did it on the side stage and we had an incredible year then was asked to come back 2018 the final year and we couldn't make it work um because we we were in the uk and in europe so we actually we said that we could do all the Midwest shows, all the shows that are close to home, the shows that we knew would be like special for us. So we did five days, Nashville, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Chicago, Chicago being the last one. It was so, so rewarding and something I'll never forget to come back to it and play on the stage that we were not denied. And not, not only that, but to be, at that point we had already we we had already done headline tours and we had already gotten like much bigger than the previous year so when we came there was like this like buzz about us being there it was like oh these are the days that Octolus is going to be here it was such an awesome feeling like no joke first day was nashville within the first minute of the set someone got so hurt that we had to stop playing and they had to like drive an ambulance into the crowd. Like they had to like separate the crowd. And it was just like, oh, these shows are going to be big. Like this is different now. Like this isn't the Warp Tour we did last year. Like these are kind of like our shows. And then Chicago was like one of the best, if not the best show that we've ever played. It was like an unbelievable crowd. And I remember... I remember Eated watching us and 
they they even told me at like the bass player Steve was like, dude, I almost teared up. He was like, that's insane. And like Keith tweeted it, but I'll never forget him saying like they've done the warp tour for like 10 years and that and he'd never seen anything like that knock blue set. It was like a really big moment for me to for us to be like the the little band on the side stage and then being like the fucking band that everybody's talking about. That was yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, what a what a beautiful full circle moment, man. That's very that's incredible. Fucking but, um, take that warp tour. Take that warp tour. <laughs> but Brian <laughs> no, just no, uh, no, dis- no, I know, I know. No, no, no it's all love. It's all love. It's all love. But Brian, just a, a few more things I wanted to get into the conversation before we let you go, because obviously, you know, you've got to pack and prepare for coming over to the UK. Um, one of the things I did want to mention of weird moments that's probably happened with Knocked Loose is um, confrontation with Taylor Swift fans on Twitter. Um, it seemed that, that that got out of control at one point. Do you mind uh, filling this in on uh, the Swifty army? Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, it's funny that it turned into such a talking point because if anything, that kind of helped promote the record. But I was really just trying to make a joke. Her fan base found it. They're very, very thorough. And they're very serious about it it's it's so funny and they definitely were like coming at me super hard telling me that i'm nothing and i'm nobody and and it's funny and i i I talk about this a lot because i i love the corners of the internet of people that are just like so socially clueless and like checked out i think that it's the funniest thing ever like when you go to like a supermodel's Instagram. And then there's just comments from guys that have zero followers. And it just says like, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Like she's going to go, do you know what? Roger said, awesome. Yeah. (laughs) He might be my new boyfriend. I think that's so funny. And I think that in a lot of ways, like Taylor Swift fans are the same way. Like, it's just like they're, they think that she's going to see it and she's going to be like, wow. But um, it, it's like if you go to any Kanye West tweets, like to like current tweets, and I'm not like Kanye West fan or anything, but it's just hilarious. You can go to one of his tweets right now, and there's responses on it that are still bringing up the Taylor Swift thing. They're just like, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and and they're just relentless. Like they just don't give up. They live for it. They wake up every day and they have a checklist of like people that have wronged Taylor Swift. (laughs) And they're like, they just go through every morning with their cup of coffee and tweet. Like they tweet Kanye West. They tweet Jake Gyllenhaal. They tweet me. (laughs) Some of them got to be grown adults as well. That's the worst bit about it. Yeah, definitely. Some of them are probably like, some of them probably work like very professional jobs and they're just like, on 100%. Cigarette breaks, they're just like... And also, yeah, and also, I'd imagine Taylor Swift, I wouldn't be surprised if she she would be fucking down with Knockloose. Like, like, I've seen her with other bands and stuff like that, and like, I'd imagine she gets you guys more than her fans get you. So, yeah, it's a weird one. Something that's insane, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but 
it didn't go viral by any means, but like there were some um, publications that like picked it up um, because it was funny. And she was tagged so many times and I'm a verified page. So like when you're verified, you see like the other verified notifications are in your notifications, not saying that she saw it or anything and not saying that this is connected at all, but she just put out a record recently and I got tagged in a merch item that she was selling. Um, she's selling like, uh, they're like biker shorts and the description of the biker shorts said like different shade of blue biker shorts. Oh, well, there's only one way we can sort this out. I think we need a Brian Garris and Taylor Swift episode of something podcast. So, oh. um, yeah, I am willing to talk and, and uh, and squat <laughs> yeah. and then do a tour well, imagine that Taylor Swift and Knock Loose on tour fucking fair right. brilliant fair yes. right fair right wouldn't it but like oh. but but speaking of um, kind of different musical like influences and just artists and stuff I do believe that really you were raised on like rap and hip hop and your parents were really big on, on that in the house when you were younger like how was growing up it um surrounding all, all that and how did it get you from into kind of metal and the hardcore scene and everything um i will say that my my parents predominantly listened to hip-hop when i was growing up but both of them also just have like a general love for any music growing up i, I was surrounded by music like my it's it, it's kind of hard to keep up but my my grandpa on my mom's side, who I call my pop, played bass in bands his whole life, like jazz and blues bands, um, was very successful with it. Um, someone that I looked up to a lot. My uncle on my dad's side was a drummer in like uh, classic rock bands. My grandma on my dad's side was a country singer. My cousin on my mom's side was a guitar player in metal bands and his dad what started out as like favors for like local promoters and venues to get his son's band on shows turned into him basically being a promoter himself. Like he booked like Trivium when they were in a van long time ago. So like had him had, I mean, it's just like my whole family, uh, there's music everywhere and different kinds of music everywhere. So like growing up, like obviously my grandma being like a country singer, uh, growing up, my dad had um, his love for country music. Um, my mom, my mom's dad, being like jazz and blues bass player, like she obviously liked that kind of stuff. And but but it was predominantly hip hop. But I but I think that they kind of just helped shape an overall love for music to where I can find appreciation in everything. And I do like everything. Um, like a lot of people say that. A lot of people say, I like everything except for, and, and it's usually like country. They're like, except for country, but I love country music. I will. I don't like dubstep. That's probably the only thing that I don't like. I what about like, ska? What about ska? Um, <laughs> maybe I'm, okay, so the most I know about ska is what I heard playing the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. 
Yeah. The best of it. The best of the Scott. I can't, and I like those songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've never done my own dive, but. Yeah, don't bother. Any of those songs come on still to this day, I could probably sing them. Nice. Yeah. Um, they were the best. Yeah, they were some of the best ska songs. Though. What a fucking soundtrack that is. Yeah, really. And hip hop and like rap and stuff was my favorite for a really long time. I I remember like I, I would get home from school and put on like 106 and Park's top 10. And I would watch that every single day when I got home from school. And then ar- around the same time that I was like really, really becoming my own fan of music and like finding my own stuff is when I, my, my aunt actually kind of like helped introduce me to like metal and like push me in that direction with like your generic corn slipknot system of a down. And then at the time I was watching on TV because there was like, there was headbangers ball, but then also like, uh, MTV two would just play them regularly. They would have just like a block of like music videos. I remember like they would play it early in the morning before I would go to school and I would get up for school. And while I would be getting dressed, I would just put music videos on. And I remember that was the first time I heard like under a, like the, the writing on the walls video before school, while I was getting ready, I, I fully dove into that. And for a while I was definitely like the, angsty kid that's like if there's not screaming in it i'm not listening to it and now i just straight up listen to any and everything like would say that my parents were like the driving force behind my like general love for all music well with with all that brian obviously the rest of 2022 is going to be extremely busy for you guys a lot of uh tour dates planned and you will be coming back to the uk in the summer for 2000 trees festival now i know a lot of people are excited about that um we are too and i'm sure that that's uh, one of the highlights on the calendar as well to come back over again um especially to a, a, a really intimate event like that yeah uh i'm i'm really excited for that one that was one that we were scheduled to play before everything got um canceled and i'm glad that we were able to make it happen i know we're also coming back to play outbreak which i'm really excited for because that's just an an absolutely insane lineup and yeah we've got a lot planned not a lot i can talk about but definitely going to be as busy as we can be it's going to be really exciting nice well we're very excited to see what happens for this uk tour now and of course 2000 trees so yeah thanks for taking the time man um best of luck safe travels and i'm sure we'll see you at one of these shows very very soon oh yeah thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it yeah fucking hell you were loud in my ears and jesus christ you blew my brain out um yes thank you very much the fantastic knock loose he was absolutely lovely. Um, I wasn't sure at first that um, he uh, liked us or would grow to like us, but I think in the end we got, we got through to him. I think we melted, we melted his icy exterior, and we are now there, warm in his heart forever. I believe. Oh, I mean to be fair, the first impressions people probably get from us just staring at our deformed faces aren't the best, but we always win them over because they first go. Oh, these two. What, what look at the them. fuck is What's this? It? What's it? Oh, what? I'm doing charity work? <laughs> yeah, it, it is a bit. And then 
we warm we warm up we make him laugh and we make him smile that's always what you can expect on Sapman podcast but no great to get a real insight behind one of the hardcore scenes brightest bands at the moment you know are seeing so much love for knocked loose over these last few years on social media especially with like their album covers and everything they do is like the aesthetically pleasing elements of the band and it's just great to get a little bit of an insight behind that and see people celebrating them again coming over to the uk for this current headline tour uh, of course they have a brand new ep available now titled a tear in the fabric of life that you can check out and if you're going to see them on some of these remaining dates in the UK, in Wolverhampton, Leeds and Southampton, let us know at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, uh, that EP is heavy as fuck. Well, everything they've done is heavy as fuck, isn't it? They're not exactly uh, your scar band, are they? But they, yeah, that fucking, yeah, Tearing the Fabric of Life is super fucking heavy, super heavy. Like black black mass heavy, like fucking unbelievable. So yeah, thank you very much to Brian. The tour from the clips I've seen online of the tour has been fucking insane. And Static Dresser on that tour as well. So who are f- future guests? Um, they don't know it yet, um, but we are going <laughs> to plan something and have a chat because uh, yeah, they're they're one of my new favorite bands. I think. Yeah, big love for Ollie and Static Dress. If you're going to one of those shows, go down early to go and see them opening. And they're going to be supporting Funeral for a Friend on the those rescheduled dates across the UK in March as well. Um, and just a reminder, if you are itching to get to live music again, again, you want to see Knock the Loose play, I don't know, maybe a big festival. Well, you could go to 2000treesfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets, use the promotional code SAPNIN and get 10% off. See, don't ta- don't tell us you don't get anything back by listening to this podcast. Apart from a headache, <laughs>, <laughs>, laughs, discount codes, and the will—I would say the will to live, but probably not. No, no, I reckon it's a couple of people have lost it listening to this. Um, I was just thinking now. Uh, do you think Two Thousand Trees is the most oxygenated festival in the world? Oh, that's a very good question. Because if this- I was them, if I were Two Thousand Trees. <laughs> My our tagline would be like giving you more oxygen than any other <laughs> festival possibly could, or anything like that. Because there's loads of trees, and as we all know, as grown adults, trees output is oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> I got fucking mad, but I have got fucking doolally. It's probably the best festival to go to if you're a massive like fan of a band because like, if that band's playing and you're getting a bit flustered and you can't breathe then the trees are there trees to give you extra oxygen yeah. like so all those raiders band uk fans who are there going oh my god is that is that is that, is that bob is that bob playing guitar <laughs> yeah <laughs> then, go on, carry on. they'll breathe yeah. again Straight yeah for away. all the for all the um ladies gentlemen and gender progressives that'll be looking at bob and swooning that is the best festival to swoon at, Bob, because you will be oxygenated, so you will not pass out. So you will get to see Bob longer before you obviously go unconscious, like so many people do in front of Bob. I don't. We've got <laughs> fucking proper mad there, haven't we? Jesus oh, Christ! Thank you again to Knock Loose for the time. Just a reminder: if you'd like to get in touch with us in any way, 
uh, head over to our social media pages at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you'd like to support the podcast, get a behind-the-scenes look at everything, some extra content, uh, more surprises, and just some general great laughs of our wonderful community, then please support us via our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Yes, and before we get into the names on the uh, for the Patreon, I think we should do what is now known as the Steve Vai Honey Update. Morgan, wait, drum roll please. Brrrr. Have you received any honey from Steve Vai? No. Anyway, we've got to thank some really, really important members of our community. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And they are as follows. As soon as I can find them. Here we go. Got them. Thank you very much, Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwaway, Dana Lasnova, Janelle Caston, Armandine Obano, Mitch Perry... Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Irwin, Kelly Young, Natasha Morris, Paul Urshfield, Emma Barber, Nathan Croshaw, Sammy G, Tony Michael, Kat Besant, Captain Hannibal, Jenny Robinson, Murray Grimwood, Scott Jones, Amy Campion, Johnny Phillips, Alexandra Pemblinton, Mikey McDonald's McMuffin Buns, Tom, Johnny Knoxville for 2022 Royal Rumble winner Owen. I think it's time to change that, Tom, because... Do you know what, Tom? I'm going to take that bet. Tom now owes me £500. Thank you very much, Stuart McNaught, Caroline Robertson, Chris Howard, M. Evans Roberts, Joe Ackland, Jacob Hetherington, Louis Cook, Martina McManus, Danny Eaton, Carl Pendlebury, James McNaught, Craig Harris, Jenny Munster, Lucy Diaz, Emily Perry, Kelly Cannon, Jason Aredia, Je- John and Emma, Becky Andy, Adam King of the Goss Parslow, Ollie Amesbury, Josh Wade, the maths teachers go on vacation, Times Square Crisp. Thank you very much. Alice Wood, Katrina Robinson, Reese Bowerin, Keris Andrews, Kate Stevenson, Connor Lewins, Cal David Smith, and last by no means, Daniel Stevenson. Thank you very much to all of those absolute legends and anybody else who is part of our community. As Morgan said, patreon.com forward slash at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. 
Thank you very much. This has been episode 168 featuring Brian Garris of Knocked Loose. Morgan, your closing statement, please. I love everyone who has listened this far. Thank you for bearing with us. And next week, we'll have a nice surprise with a guest that might involve time travel. That's all I'm going to say. You call me now. It's Michael J. Fox. I wish. Well, that's going to be disappointing. If you're next week's guest now, when you listen to this bit, <laughs> fucking tamp in now. When you- yeah, but we all want to talk to Michael J. Fox, don't we? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, anyway, Sapnin! Sapnin! I'm trying to look at my voice for fucking what? I forgot now to say my own fucking brand! Sapnin! You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much.